Welcome to Harper Audio Presents. This is Aaron Wicks with Harper Audio. I recently sat down with Josh Mallerman, the talented lead singer and songwriter of The High Strung, an equally talented author of the debut novel Bird Box, on sale May 13, 2014. Bird Box is a tale of horror and gut-wrenching suspense set in a near future in which humans cannot look outside for fear of death. The terrors of this world are told through the story of Mallory, a young mother rowing down a river blindfolded in a desperate attempt to find safety for her children. In a narrative that shifts between Mallory's journey in the present and the circumstances that have led to such extreme measures, Bird Box builds to a terrifying conclusion. It was a delight to pick Josh's brain and that of his lovely fiancée, Alison Locko, who joined us as well. But first, let's listen to an excerpt from the audiobook. Here's Bird Box. The children have never seen the world outside their home, not even through the windows, and Mallory hasn't looked in more than four years. Four years. She does not have to make this decision today. It's October in Michigan. It's cold. A 20-mile trip on the river will be hard on the children. They may still be too young. What if one of them were to fall into the water? What would Mallory, blindfolded, do then? An accident, Mallory thinks. How horrible. After all this struggling, all this survival, to die because of an accident. Mallory looks at the drapes. She begins to cry. She wants to yell at someone. She wants to plead with anyone who might listen. This is unfair, she would say. This is cruel. She looks over her shoulder, to the kitchen entrance and the hall that leads to the children's bedroom. Beyond the doorless frame, the children sleep soundly, covered by black cloth, hidden from light and sight. They do not stir. They show no sign of being awake. Yet they could be listening to her. Sometimes, for all the pressure upon them to listen, for all the importance she's placed upon their ears, Mallory believes they can hear her think. Thanks for sitting down with us today. Yeah, this is, uh, this is totally thrilling. Okay, so I have to tell you, I read Bird Box in its entirety yesterday, and I'm really oh, wow. glad that I did that because otherwise I would not have been able to sleep. <laughs> because it's, a, it's terrifying, it's a, it's a horror book, and... Um, I believe it's your first book being published, mm-hmm. and also that you listen to a lot of horror soundtracks when oh, yeah. you're writing it, and I'm yep. just kind of wondering, what draws you to this really s- scary genre? I love, uh, first of all, yeah, I do listen to um, horror soundtracks almost the whole time, like, on, uh, this is going to sound so pretentious, but I listen to, like, vinyl soundtracks, mm-hmm. it's awesome, and I have a really good collection of them, Carrie, um, you know, The Fog, I mean, everything from the 70s and 80s, just dozens of them. And I think, you know, like, sit down and try to write a scary scene to the Beach Boys. It's like, it's not, it just doesn't work, you know? Or it or doesn't work for me. They're, actually, the Beach Boys are Beach Boys scary. Is not, isn't the best example. <laughs> right, they're, they are they're, they're <laughs> But I think what draws me to the genre to begin with is that, other than it's just fun, um, so fun, so thrilling, is that it admits that it's fiction, mm-hmm. you know? Whereas, like, some uh, readers are more, you know, I want something realistic, but I mean... The moment it's written down, the moment it's a book, it, it's not realistic. Even if I understand 
you know, one thing's more realist, more realistic than another. But the second is fiction. It's like all fiction to me. Mm -hmm. So why not stretch that as far as it can go? Why not put the imagination in a slingshot and just like fire? Yeah. You know, like Lewis Carroll and you know, and everyone else in the you know absurdist realm. And I I like the like surreal thing about horror. I like the absurdity of horror. You know, not necessarily the campy. I like that too, but. But I just like that anything can go. I like that you could have a story about a guy, you know, trying to capture um, an emotion. So that if you say that, like, depression is the monster in the book and he's trying to trap depression, you know. I like that in horror you can do that. You can do that anywhere. But, mm -hmm. but I like that the horror gives it sort of an overcast... Lighting, like I like the lighting mm -hmm. of horror. <laughs> uh, you, you light it pretty well here. It's pretty damn creepy. Um, well, it's interesting that you kind of say, you know, Lewis Carroll, Alice in Wonderland, because it's definitely a world you've created here. It's not just a story. You've created this kind of dystopian alternative earth that starts to to build, and I guess I'm wondering. How did you come up with that? How did you get inside of that world? Because it's so vivid down to every little detail, and that's part of what makes it so scary, is you can you really feel like this is happening. The whole world is crumbling around you. Man, uh, I try to write um, like a couple books a year. I try to write wow. at least a couple <laughs> rough drafts a year. Usually, hopefully, like the good years are three. I'll settle with one, mm -hmm. but zero, I like really will freak out, and a lot of that's like propelled by guilt. But what happens is <laughs> when you when you have that sort of not it's not an assembly line, but when you have that sort of like I I know I just finished a rough draft, but I'm going to write another one. Um, I feel like you're more receptive to like ideas or a, mm -hmm. a kernel of an idea and trying it, because you're not just saying at that or I'm not saying at that point like I've only written one book and the next one has to really be something else. It's yeah. like no, I have a small idea. I have an idea of a woman rowing down a river in a paddleboat blindfolded. All right, let's start there. And then you start writing it, and sometimes, you know, the idea doesn't catch. You know, you can even be like 40,000 words in, and the idea doesn't catch. But Verbach's caught, even with that little tiny kernel of an idea that, like, she can't look at her surroundings, was enough to, like, start, like, it, it fanned out, like, on its own after that. But when looking back on it, I'm like, well, it was just the next story in line. Mm -hmm. Or it was the next idea in line. There was nothing at the time of this one special or, you know, this is more special than the rough draft before it or the one after it even. In hindsight, I see, like, oh, yeah, that one really, like, fanned out nicely. Like, you didn't struggle with that one. You had a great time. It, the rough draft was written in, like, 26 days. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, it was, it was a real explosion. And it was, like, twice as long, too, back then. It's like the experience that like the writer like guns for, mm -hmm. where like every day you wake up and you're like excited. I'm gonna write five thousand words today. I'm gonna write like thirteen pages every every day for a month, that kind of thing. And then yeah, Vertibox just flew, just like a few of the other ones have, and a few of the other ones haven't. Once it started, then you start filling in the details of like you're saying the details of that world, I guess. So you started with the idea of Mallory, the protagonist. Mm -hmm. On a boat. I mean, because that was one of the things I was going to ask. I was like, you're writing about uh, the perspective of a woman and a pregnant woman and a mother. And, um, you know, it could be kind of ambitious, especially for a, a male writer. And I thought you pulled it off very, very convincingly. Right, sweet. <laughs> um, so I, so is that that's where you started? How did you get to I know, that her? sounds like, you're like, really? That poetry nugget <laughs> of information? This is where this interview is going? No. If you look at, like, like, a Twilight Zone episode, okay, if you think about it in those terms, you're like, 
Hmm. Uh, a woman on a, in a rowboat blindfolded on a river. And so, like, where is this coming from? Why, why, why is she blindfolded? Where is she going? Where, you know, this kind of thing. But you know that it's like a frightening image or something. Yeah. And then you start, again, you start to fan out from there. And if you think about it in terms of, you know, it's, don't, you're not thinking this grandiose, like, novel. You're just thinking, like, a weird tale. Or, like, a Twilight Zone episode. And then it starts to build from there. And you're like, you know, that, that, I think that explains it, like, better why... You know, I hear guys that have to have, like, a full outline before they start, but, God, it's like, that would be so hard for me because then I feel like the book's already, like, written. You know? It's Where's like Bird Box. I read Bird Box as it was being written. Mm-hmm. You know, every day I was like, oh, man, what's going to happen to her today? And it, it's set in Detroit, right? Outside of it. I, I always imagine Detroit, too. I always imagine, like, right there. Right there. Yeah, okay. like a suburb of Detroit or something. Yeah. And that's, like, that's where you guys live, yeah? Mm-hmm. Right. We live in that house with it's Tom's... No, I guess. <laughs> Stop it. Um, we live in Metro Detroit, one of the yeah. suburbs right outside of the city. It's, it's just like a short drive right into Detroit. Like a, We live pretty much right off of Woodward, which is the main drag in you that know, whole area. You know 8 Mile? No. The movie? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so eight mile, you know 8 Mile? I, it's, um, that is the border at the very end of Detroit. Okay. We live on 9 Mile. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> this, this makes a lot more sense. So we are a mile We got Eminem in here. Oh, no. Is that why you set the book in Detroit? Is that... All of his books it? are set yeah. in Michigan. Just, I, I don't know because that, It's weird. I'm discovering that sort of... Like, it's like a horror author thing to do. Like, Bentley Little is from Arizona, and every book's in Arizona. And, and even, like, Washington Irving, it was all upstate New York. Stephen King's all Maine. Uh, Thomas Ligotti's all Detroit area. Um, I don't know what it is about horror guys, but they seem to, like, even, like, Faulkner is sort of, has, like, dark, overcast, you know, there's something overcast to his books, and they all take place in the same Mississippi, you know, fictional Mm -hmm. county, except for one, but anyway, even that's New Orleans, that's not that far, that'd be, like, me writing about, like, you know, Cleveland. Yeah. But, like, I don't know why, I just, I don't know, I don't even think it's a matter of knowing it, because, like, I've been to Los Angeles dozens of times, I could write Mm -hmm. a story about Los Angeles, or just go out there and write one. Actually, that sounds fun right now, but... (laughs) When you're, like, working, I think that certain areas maybe are more, like, um, what's the right word? Lend themselves to, like, a horror setting, mm-hmm. you know? Like, upstate New York is, like, willowy. Yes. And, like, you know, green, <laughs> and, you know? But to kind of take a different track, so you are the lead singer, songwriter, and guitarist for rock band High Strung, Yeah, right? yep, the High Strung, yeah. So how does writing music differ from writing fiction, and do you think, like, the processes kind of inform each other? Okay, I think that, uh, and, hmm, for no good reason, I, it seems like I can't pull a short story out of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the shortest thing I've ever written is, like, 20,000 words, and that's, you know, that's like a quarter of Bird Box, you know? Yeah. So that's, that's a lot. And I, before meeting, you know, Echo and everything, I used to be like, oh, maybe I should submit something to a magazine. And they'd be like, the maximum word count is 2,500 words. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how am I going to edit this out? This is like a tweet. <laughs> I'm like, what, what, are you, what is this? Is a joke? Are you making fun of me? But the songs, I think, pretty much act as like short stories for me. Mm-hmm. You know, and so if there's an idea that's not you know, big enough, or it's not even if it's not big enough to be a novel, it's just, you know that it'll, it's okay if it's that small, Mm -hmm. you know, not emotionally, but that small in, like, delivery, then let's maybe make a song of this idea instead of a book. Okay. So I don't know if they inform each other as much as they, like, they give me a place where I can, like, you know, put all the, all the ideas can be spoken for, Mm -hmm. just some are song and, and some are written, I guess. Okay. 
Um, and when do you when do you find time to write? Since you're writing a ton of books, you are. I mean, you, this the last couple. I'm yeah. feeling guilty lately. The last couple of weeks have been like terrible. I, we've had a lot going on, but my God, it's really when the second we get back, I'm like nose of the grindstone. Work mode. But um, yeah, work mode. No more parties. No more friends <laughs> coming over. I'm not taking out any more garbage bags full of empty bottles. Man, there is enough time in the day for all of this. Yeah. There is. There is enough time to. There's enough time to do to write. Five books a year. And it also helps to not have, and not to say that the internet can't be just as distracting, but it helps a lot to not have, uh, you know, something like TV where you're just, where you can really zone out. And even when he watches things, it's, it's almost always something where it's it's more studying than not. We watched a lot of horror movies. And I grew up absolutely not liking horror at all. And he's kind of changed my opinion about it entirely. Not to say that I like everything. The evil that dad changed your oh opinion. Oh my god, the evil dad was <laughs> was brilliant. How did he convert you? How did what was the just just from enjoying like just from seeing it? Well, I think also a lot of it was reading all of his things that aren't mm -hmm. necessarily they're not what you typically think of as horror for somebody who doesn't know the genre at all. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of things that are, I mean throughout throughout the years that are very, very artistically done but are still in that genre because of, you know, showing people dying or whatever it might be. And it's it's just a lot more fun than you think. I mean, like Alfred Hitchcock, for example, could potentially be in that genre, but people absolutely love his movies because there's suspense, there's mystery, there's love stories, there's all these other aspects of it, and that's how his stories are, too. There's so much more than just... You, something that you would call horror it's it's suspenseful but it's also there's a lot of philosophical things involved there's mm -hmm. connections there's the, there's stories about people and they're fun and funny I support that because I kind of shy away from horror I was a little nervous to pick this up <laughs> yesterday and I was loving it I just gave it to somebody else yeah. to read as well, I, feel like, I feel like, like you can find a good and bad stuff in any genre but if you typically have only seen the bad stuff in one then you're like you never oh well I don't yeah, know about that like but, but how many horrible comedies have you seen how many horrible <laughs> dramas have you seen it's the same with all yeah, the genres right, you right. know and we've, we've sifted through so many like horror movies that like we oh, will boy. turn off because it's just like they're so bad it's hard it's, mm -hmm. It can be hard to find something good and original. It's and whatever, like a labor of love or something, you know, like a yeah. horror, horror genre fan. You like really sift through a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. and I mean, and you can also find something awesome or fun about it, all of it. But you know what I mean, like all the remakes yeah. and all. It's like after a while, you're like, oh my gosh, stop it. But you then know? you like see the shining, like ah, oh, I get it. Yeah, <laughs> like, this yeah. is brilliant. Like, the, like horror can be high art. You wrote your first book when you were in fifth grade? <laughs> yeah, I tried. Yeah, uh, I did, actually. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a dog that goes to outer space and it's like an ambassador from Earth. That sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that... I know. Actually, I think I still have that. You dig that up and show You better yeah. actually let her out. I think I do. I remember, I remember the cover. If you of don't, your mom must. Mothers love to keep that stuff, you know? There was um, a cover and everything? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'll, I'll find it and take a photo or something. <laughs> But uh, then, oh, go ahead. Well, no, I just was wondering about your trajectory. Because you also, you didn't even, you weren't even looking to, like, sell this book. Like, didn't you just show it to somebody and it kind of got, you weren't hustling for an agent. I was right? not hustling for an agent. I, I, yeah, same thing with all the books. They just started to pile up and then, uh, you know, I think that, it's going to sound like, like, like over-optimistic or something, but I think that if you, as an artist, just, like, stay in motion, mm -hmm. like, the momentum you create, like, there will be, like, a ripple effect and something will result from that. You know, if, because 
you you wrote that day, you go out to the bar, you're not just going to talk about the Pistons game, you're going to also talk about the book you wrote. And then he's going to tell you about a book he's reading, and then you, or his friend that also writes a book, now you're talking to that guy. That guy has a lawyer, hey Josh, you should send this to this guy, and all of a sudden, something's happening just because you stayed in motion, you know? Yeah. I remember I went to a, a website or something that had like a list of like 1,500 like literary agents, you know? Mm -hmm. And I sent out, I didn't even know what to send back then. This yeah. was years, I, I had written one book at the time. Mm -hmm. And I sent out like a, like a mass email that was like, hey, I wrote a book, you know. And one, there was one response out of 1,500. And the guy was like, I will be your agent if you send me $600. Mm. I was like, I don't think I should do this. This doesn't sound good. It's wrong. <laughs> but is this how it works? Just $600 and I have a book deal? Mm. <laughs> anyway, but yeah. But I, I don't want to give the impression that I was, like, like you know, some naturally, you know, prancing through life and books were, like, falling to the right nap and someone picked one up. And, yeah, this is brilliant. I mean, I was, you know, the band was out there and trying, you know, touring nonstop. And we had song, a couple songs in movies and things were, like, starting yeah. to happen. And, and so I think some of our friends were taking us more seriously. Mm -hmm. And those friends, some of them knew people and like led to meeting a lawyer and then from there things started to happen yeah well don't worry none of us have gotten the impression that you're idle from this interview <laughs> like, clearly you, you are not at all and I actually I don't normally ask this but I'm kind of curious what, what are you working on now what are you working on next since you do so much I am rewriting um, that book that I just wrote that I hope will be book two for Echo. Cool. Book two of you know whatever working with Echo yeah mm -hmm. it's called Marbles, Marbles and I hope that's the one Lee Boudreau is so good that I'm, like, tempted to, like, just fix the spelling errors and send it to her as if, but it's, like, a rough draft, and you got to yeah. be smarter than that, you know? <laughs> yeah. But she's so good that it's almost like you want, you wish that she was in the room mm -hmm. while you were writing it, like, and be like, okay, so yeah, I just finished this. What do you think about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I, I don't know, you know, I hope I'm not, yeah, I hope I'm not going to be lazy about it. I'll try not to be. But it's like, I want to get into her so bad, you know? Yeah. But Marbles, that, either that one or, um, or and, uh, rewriting a book called Inspection that I wrote not that long ago, like a couple years, a few years ago or something. So okay. then, one of those two is, I'm going to try to finish both of them right now, mm -hmm. rewrites, and one of those two is what I will send to Echo. You also have a movie? In the works? It was picked up by Universal Studios, Verbox. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah, thank you. You know, have you seen that movie Mama? No. Did you see the preview? It's scary. Mm -hmm. It's pretty scary. And the director of that movie is on board to direct Bird Box, but, like, who knows? Yeah. You know, he could, you know, he was attached. Now someone else will be, you know, who knows what will happen from here. But as mm -hmm. of right now, he is. And Universal Studios, there's a guy writing the screenplay. Mm -hmm. And that, that's it. It's amazing. That's great. Yeah, the, the whole time I was like, this needs to be a movie. In my head, it was so yeah. vivid. You know, I, I was kind of playing like a movie in my head. Do you feel like it's like hard not to write cinematically now because you've seen so many movies and TV shows like our generation or not <laughs> yeah. the same or something? Well, and I guess good writing, you almost, you always want to have that quality to it where somebody is creating a world in their head and picturing it and it does kind of go very hand in yeah. hand I think with with this yeah I guess you're right I guess experience. that's always been like that thank you so much for sitting down with oh, us oh yeah you King that was great. awesome <laughs> yeah I'm glad that you were a part of this too Allison that was really cool what is it boy did you hear that what what did you hear speak listen Mallory does she stops paddling and she listens. 
There is the wind. There is the river. There is the high squawking of birds far away and the occasional shuffle of small animals in the trees. There is her own breathing and her heart pounding too. And beyond all this noise, from somewhere inside it, comes a sound she immediately fears. Something is in the water with them. Don't speak, Mallory hisses. The children are silent. She rests the paddle handles across her bent legs and is still. Something big is in the water before them. Something that rises and splashes. Mallory, for all the work she has done protecting the children from madness, wonders if she's prepared them enough for the old realities. Like the wild animals that would reclaim a river man no longer frequents. The rowboat tips to Mallory's left. She feels the heat of something touching the steel rim where the paddle ends rest. The birds in the trees go quiet. She holds her breath, thinking of the children. What plays with the nose of their boat? Is it a creature, she thinks, hysterical. Please, no God, let it be an animal, please. Mallory knows that if the children were to remove their blindfolds, if they were to scream before going mad, she still would not open her eyes. You've been listening to Harper Audio Presents, the podcast from HarperCollins Publishers, available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Today we talked with Josh Mallerman, author of Bird Box, on sale May 13, 2014, and listened to excerpts from the audiobook, narrated by Cassandra Campbell. Please join us again, and thank you for listening.